This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome back to the Real EFL podcast, where this week we have a bumper special for you. That's right, it was FA Cup weekend and we have 16 matches to go through. My name is Charlie Beeson and I'm your host to go through what has obviously been quite the busy weekend. To dissect it all, I am joined by Chris Lamming and Johnny Hunt. Chris, as a fellow Lincoln fan, you actually had a free weekend, so how's it been? I have had a free weekend, yeah, it's been... uh... It's been good. It's been really good. Um, my local football club, um, rugby, we um, in our village we have a, a Christmas market every year. So, so my day was spent manning a stall, um, freezing, and it was properly cold, wasn't it? Absolutely freezing for the whole day. And then, uh, yeah, maybe having one or two sherbets too many last night. <laughs> Still more fun than than me, considering I ended up going to Alfreton v Walsall. That well. <laughs> Didn't. Was that called off five minutes before kickoff? Yeah, I was stood there in the stand um, and the stewards came out waving their hands saying, nope, off your pop. Uh, so that was that was interesting. But I ended up going to a lovely garden centre with a good friend of mine. Ian, I know you'll be listening. So I, t- I took a good friend of mine to a garden centre and he had a pot of tea when, when I had a beer. Oh, so go. it was still a day good spent. Johnny, what about yourself? How have you been? Good, yeah. Look, uh, I was working yesterday, and then uh, today is the family Christmas stuff, Christmas fairs, and then about one thirty, it started to go downhill. Watching <laughs> my team, uh, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am sure that we are going to end up getting to the Reading game a little bit later, and then you can tell us all about it. Then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so as I said, we've got plenty to get through. So to make sure this isn't a three-hour-long podcast, let's get straight into it. The first match of the weekend was a Friday night game at Meadow Lane, Notts County versus Shrewsbury. This ended in a 3-2 victory for Shrewsbury, although many of the headlines of this game have been about Notts County's defensive horrors. Chris, let's I guess let's just start off with the three goals that Shrewsbury scored, or, well, got given. What went wrong for Notts County? Uh, well, almost everything, I think, in terms of in terms of the defensive side of things. Also, Ryan Bowman scoring a hat trick 
That must be the easiest hat trick anyone has scored in the history of football, surely. Uh, he was literally probably played three goals. But yeah, it literally started the first minute, didn't it? That that first goal was mm. was one minute on the clock. Um, poor ball back from the right wing back into the right centre half, who was um, kind of in a ranked back position and had to collect the ball pretty much on the goal line, to be honest, next near near the corner flag. Um dispossessed, slotted it in. One nil, seven minutes on the clock. Yeah. I know it's just uh the first of three really, really soft goals, wasn't it? It really, really was. And really disappointing, but actually not really very surprising for me. It's something that I, you know, on the League Two podcast, I've been on for a good few weeks there. And I have to often comment about Knox County's lack of defending. It's it's really, really poor. But Johnny, although many see this as Knox County losing the game, they did have some great moments going forward, including a 17-year-old debutant scoring. Was this just another example of Luke Williams's side being strong going forward, but not really very confident at the back? Yeah, yeah. It is, you can't you can't give away stupid goals, can you? It, mm. it, it's you know that that costs you. You know you can have the, the 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 best attack, the best creation, but when you you know as a forward and you're going looking back, oh no, they've done it again. Do you know you kind of that puts mm. pressure on, doesn't it? You know you you kind of. Yeah, you build from the back. It's old. I'm old. Football, you know, you you have a tight defence. You know, that's where you start. You know, the spine of a team, goalkeeper, de- central defence. But when you're leaking goals and it's silly goals and you're not fixing the problem, that's when you have a big problem, regardless of, you know, you're scoring two at home, but, you lo- you know, you're losing 3-2 at home. It, it becomes a bit of a... I don't know, being, being a Reading fan, you kind of uh, you, you kind of know this pattern of you know when it becomes a big problem. You know when every team goes through bad spells, but when it's almost regular issue, you're kind of seeing well, what's what are you doing to fix it as a team, or is it is it you know um, the mental side of the game, which is which is very undervalued. I think you know you know it's all about the ability is great, but when when things start to go wrong, who's the leaders? Who's who's taking control? Who's who's organizing who's stopping this you know and that's partly coaching partly on the pitch so it's it's you know something that has to be addressed soon yeah that yeah, organization absolutely. i think is a big thing isn't it you know that i think that was the, what really stood out for me watching it is was a, a real lack of defensive organization i yeah. think just how not to play because they're such a unique club in that league aren't they with how they play i think it's always going to it, i think it's an occupational hazard isn't it in terms of conceding one or two goals now and then how they did but to give three away in the same game, just yeah. like you said, it doesn't matter how good you are going forward if you're gifting the opposition. And it was gifts. They really were yeah. gifts. Yeah. Not County had 76% of possession in this game. Um, Shrewsbury only had five shots in the whole game. So it, it's hardly like Shrewsbury were also knocking on the door. It was literally three uh, three gifts, three gifts that Ryan Bowman took mm-hmm. away. Not County did their best to get back into it. They had uh, um, you know, a, a great 30-yard drive from Richard Brindley pull it back to one all at a time and then as you mentioned uh, um, Sanderson scoring his first goal for the club uh, in 75th minute but if you're conceding three silly goals it, you're just asking it, it becomes impossible it becomes almost impossible doesn't it yeah it really does and it's something that actually I've, we've spoken about a lot on the League 2 podcast over the last few weeks is that any team in that division is going to score the goals if you're giving them an opportunity doesn't matter who you're playing. You can be playing Sutton or Forest Green towards the bottom, or you could be playing Mansfield or Stockport towards the top. Either side are going to still be able to get the goals against the Notts County side that are constantly giving it away at the back. So they are just trying to outscore their opponents. It's a method 
of playing the game. Sometimes it works, but it's a very, very risky method. And obviously it didn't work on Friday night. So that result meant that Shrewsbury have been rewarded with a third round tie at home to local sort of rivals, Wrexham. So for our next game, we stick with our Friday night fixtures. And this time we have one that was actually televised. I was quite surprised to find out the Notts County one wasn't, but this one was York City at home to Wigan Athletic. Chris, you watched this one for us. Talk us through it. I did, yeah. It was an interesting one, to be honest, without ever really sparking massively into life. I thought it was a, an interesting game. A very, very foggy LNER Community Stadium. A lovely LNER Community Stadium, by the way, at York City. Their new ground is very, very different to their old one. Um, but it's really, it's really good. And a really good attendance as well. Just over 6,500 there as well, which is, which is great. Um, there was really just one bright spark in this game for both sides. And that was Stephen Humphreys, the goal scorer. Um, but before his goal, he had a, a really, really good chance in the first half. So he received the ball kind of on the half turn, back to goal about 10 yards inside the attacking half um, and was being shepherded quite closely by two York players. But with one touch, he, he turned on the spot. Those two York players were out of the game and they drove towards goal, skipped past one, skipped past two and then um, was denied by a good save. But it was um, probably, that was the, the highlight of the first half, really. And then... Uh, really interesting that the, the goal was a, a headed clearance turned assist, uh, which is uh, you don't see that very often. Um, slightly misjudged by the by the York defence, and then Humphreys once again strode through and this time rounded the goalkeeper to to slot it away, and that that was a one 0 victory for for Wigan. Um, I think it was an interesting game. I think it was quite tight. I think York were competitive in this. They were really competitive. Mm-hmm. I think. Looking at the game, you you certainly could tell that Wigan were uh, a, a class above, but I don't feel that they really particularly dominated the game, um, kind of territory wise. They had a bit more of the ball as you'd expect, but yeah, I thought York were, were good value. Certainly in the first two thirds, they just struggled to put the ball in the net and create any real meaningful, real meaningful opportunities. But yeah, I think it's the the result that everyone expected probably, but it was really just one player that, that shone in this game who was the difference between the two teams in the end. That's I guess that's sometimes all, all you need, really. And look, we, we did a podcast, didn't we, Chris, on, on Friday, um, a different podcast, and we spoke about the fact that Wigan have actually been overachieving in the league compared to their underlying stats. Would you say that was kind of the case on Friday night, or do you think they, yes, okay, they had those kind of couple moments of brilliance that managed to get one of the goals from it? Was it against the run of play, or do you think they were good value for the victory? No, they were good value. Like I said, it wasn't, there wasn't massive, a massive gulf between both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite a tight game. But you could certainly see the quality. And it was really Stephen Humphreys that, were, that really shone. So we had those two opportunities. Um, it's very rare you get XG in FA Cup games. It's very annoying because both you and I like XG, don't we? We do yeah. like to mention it. But you don't normally see it very much in, in FA Cup games for some reason. But it was available for this one, which is good. So York had 0.7 and, and Wigan had 1.46. So basically created twice the amount in terms of clear cut um, than, than York did. So you would say they were, they were good value. I think what's worth pointing out there in regards to them maybe overachieving and their underlying numbers is that isn't going forward that's very much in relation to their defensive yeah. side um so they are they're 12 goals better off than they should be in terms of conceding so they should have conceded 35 goals in regards to their xg against but they've only conceded 23 uh, that's a big old that's a big old gulf you don't normally <laughs> see a an overachievement quite that large without it kind of evening out later in the season in terms of results. So so that'd be interesting to keep an eye on. But I have to admit, Wigan defensively didn't look massively threatened in this game. Um, York had a, a few half chances, but nothing massively clear-cut. So I, th- I think it was a deserved 1-0 win. 
That's totally fair enough then. And this result has now meant that Wigan have progressed, obviously, to the third round. And they've they've probably got the dream tie out of most of the League One uh, division uh, clubs and League Two clubs that have gone through to the third round, where they will face Manchester United at home, almost certainly to be televised. I think there was a, a stat where, like, Man U haven't had a game in the FA Cup in, like, the last seven years that hasn't been televised or something ridiculous. So... <laughs> Almost definitely going to be televised. Great for Wigan Athletic there. Our next game that we'll be moving on to, we'll actually be moving forward today onto Saturday in our first game. So to uh, discuss this game, normally, because it is Gillingham at home to Charlton, we would have had Matt Olsen, our League Two resident presenter. Unfortunately, he was unable to join us today, although I'm sure he really would have actually wanted to talk about Gillingham. <laughs> but Johnny, you had the pleasure of watching this one. Talk us through it. Yeah, look, I think... Charlton have been what is it seven seven games unbeaten. Um, it's a local derby for that you know part of the world. Um, but two ex addicts got the result for them. You know it. it they Gillingham deserved the win. Um, Charlton, I think it was one of those. They just had an off day. Um, Gillingham were up for it more. Um, Macaulay Bonnet um, decent finish for the first goal, and then George Lapsy set up the second for Timothy Dieng. Um, apologies if I, my spellings and you know, I'm a bit old and whatever. Um, but like, you know, it was it was a surprise. But um, you, you know, yeah, Charlton just weren't at the races, and and Gillingham deserved it. You know, they, they you know Stephen Clements came in. I think, you know, what about a month ago now? Um, and there was kind of split opinion on that, and um, you know, he replaced. But you know the the seventh in the league. This this would give them the confidence. They've got Sheffield United in the next round at home, mm-hmm. which I think they'd really fancy that as a game. You know that Sheffield United are struggling. They, you know this this is going to give them the confidence, and it was a comfortable win. It wasn't lucky. They you know they deserved the result, and and you know Charlton to me it's like it's an off day. They're out of the cup now, which might be a blessing for them in the league. They can just focus on. Next week, and they've got um, Cambridge at home. Next, you know, to to get back into the, you know, whether they push on in the league. Now they've been on a good run, so hopefully for them and their fans, it's just a blip. Um, but for Gillingham, it's going to be a real confidence boost for the rest of the season. I feel. Yeah, absolutely, and they want to be able to try and use this to really propel them into a, a bit of a better playoff push because Gillingham have been a little bit inconsistent in yeah. sort of recent weeks, and they've definitely felt that they needed to improve and. Obviously, you know, Charlton are on a decent run, but obviously they had a really, really good start under Michael Appleton when he yeah. came in. I think going six unbeaten. And then they had the loss to, to Lincoln. Uh, so I just like bringing that up at any opportunity. <laughs> uh, and then immediately lost to Bolton afterwards, but then managed to pick up a couple of victories, but a few draws as well. I don't know. I just feel like they need to do a little bit more at the minute to, to really see them sort of shrug off this game and propel themselves into a League One playoff fight. What do you think? I think they rely on Ashley May a lot. You mm-hmm. know, if he's he's the kind of the main man and if it's not working for him, who else is going to step in? You know, he can't do it every yeah. game. He had a quite fairly quiet game, you know, on Saturday. He had a couple of, you know, half chances. But, you know, he's, a, he's that kind of striker that's going to go through a run where he's going to score, you know, four games in a row, then then not for a while. That's, you know, that's that's what's right. But it's like, well, where where's where's somebody else going to step in and be the main man? And that's what the Chelton 
team have to look at. You know, you can't rely on one player all season when you haven't got the depth and you haven't got the, the big squad. You need to look at where, where the other options are or how you're going to get goals in a different way. Yeah, definitely. And it'll be a big push then for them if they want to see themselves fighting in that kind of fifth to, to eighth yeah. sort of spot in the League One playoff fight. But yeah, as you already mentioned, Gillingham have been rewarded Premier League opposition after their victory against Charlton, namely Sheffield United at home. Very winnable game for Gillingham, um, I should know, because Lincoln absolutely destroyed Sheffield United earlier this season <laughs> in a nil-nil draw. So, absolute destruction. Uh, so, look, our next game is one that wasn't even on the cards only 10 days ago. However, with Barnsley deciding to field an ineligible player in their first-round replay, it meant that Horsham had the opportunity to travel down to Sutton United. With the lard on the roof of the dugout, I watched this intriguing effect. Did you guys see that, by the way? They uh, Horsham stick a lump of lard on the top of their opposition dugout whenever they're going to, to a game, some kind of look tradition. <laughs> I didn't notice that at all. That's no, amazing. no. Um, I just saw it on Twitter. It made me chuckle. So look, the We've first signed time... a few lumps of lard in our history, but that's a different story. <laughs> 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 I, I didn't I didn't want to bring that one up, Johnny. I was trying to be nice. <laughs> so the first half started as an end-to-end game with both Sutton and Horsham having great chances and both keepers making some really solid saves. It got to the 60th minute and Horsham fans really started to believe that they could nick it. However, it unfortunately wasn't meant to be. As in the 64th minute, Dion Pereira hit the first of the game after using his strength to beat the Horsham defender and hit his shot into the back of the net. The loney from Luton Town then all but wrapped up the game in the 74th as he converted a a pinpoint cross from Omari Patrick. There was still time for another goal, but it was for Sutton. As in the 89th minute, Omari Patrick went from creator to scorer with such a sublime run, 1-2, and then finish, as he secured Sutton's place in the third round. Their first time in the third round, funnily enough, since the 2016-17 season, where they, of course, went on that amazing run, only to lose to Arsenal in the round of 16. Anybody remember who Arsenal played in the quarterfinal that season? (laughs) I couldn't forget, mate. I couldn't forget. (laughs) Neither could I. So they will be facing Plymouth Argyle at Home Park in the third round. Could another cup run be on the cards for Sutton? As they certainly need it with the area of the table that they are in League Two at the minute. But one team who certainly won't be going on a cup run this season is Fleetwood Town as they bowed out of the competition away at fellow League One side Cambridge United. Chris, talk us through it. Yes, Cambridge United 4. Fleetwood Town and Neil. This one was all about Cambridge, to be honest. Um, mm. On the back of three league defeats in a row, Mark Bonner, Mr. Cambridge himself, was relieved of his duties. And so it's not only uh, was it a great performance from Cambridge, it was a great performance from managerless Cambridge, uh, Barry Corr stepping into caretaker charge. Um, shape-wise, there wasn't much change in regards to how Cambridge lined up, but there were some changes in regards to personnel and also positions on the pitch as well. So um, a player I really like, actually, someone who I think is a real threatening player, Gassan Hadme, ended up being benched for this one with Ogunabiri moving from his 10 role into the number nine role. And then Digby and Brophy were both brought in as well to start. So not wholesale changes by Barry Cup, but certainly some tweaks there. 
And then within seven minutes, it was 1-0. Direct free kick from Danny Andrew. It's his first goal for Cambridge, coming against the team he joined them from. Uh, so that was always an interesting little nugget. And then for just four minutes later, Elias Kachunga makes it 2-0. And then in the 13th minute, just two minutes later than that, Okinabiri makes it three. So within 13 minutes, this was 3-0 to Cambridge United. So they were absolutely flying. They were cruising at that point. Sadly, Okinabiri picked up uh, an injury and Ahadmi came on up top in the 22nd minute. And he missed a penalty on 29, which could have made it 4-0. So he hadn't been on the pitch any more than sort of five or six minutes. Great run from, from Kai Kai, by the way. He was he was a real live white this game. Um, really threatening. Blitwood just could not deal with his 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 runs down the right-hand side and, and used to kind of dribble past two or three players, cut inside the box multiple times. He was a really threatening player. He was brought down. And then Ahadme comes on to try and be a real cheeky one and, and try and chip it just down the middle. Gets it all wrong. Scuffs it slightly. And it's a simple save for the Fleetwood goalkeeper. But to be honest, at 3-0, 3-0 at half-time, not a lot really changed. All they had to do was see the game out. And then Ahadmi did get his goal seven minutes from time with a, a really calm finish, first-time finish from across from the right. So, yeah, all about Cambridge this one, really. Um, they've been on a, a bit of a tricky run, of course. Mm. Tricky enough to, to dismiss Mark Bonner. And I think when there's someone so kind of synonymous with the club, as Mark Bonner was, I think it's always it's a little bit different than just sacking an, an, any other manager. It's someone that's been, you know, he's he's driven the minibus. He's 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 had every job under the sun at that club. He's he's managed almost every age group. You know, he's he's done everything, Mark Bonner. So when I mean, you leave someone who is lose someone who is so connected to that club, I think it's not you're not just losing a first team manager. You're probably a big void there. I feel so for them to react in the way they have, I think is really positive for Cambridge, and and I think for them this can be a real confidence boost moving moving forward. And of course, Barry Corr, it's only one game in, but it's not a bad start. Not a bad start as a caretaker manager. If And we don't know, he hasn't mentioned this, I don't think, but uh, yeah, if he is in for the job or would like would like a stab at his first his first stint in first, first team management, then it's not a bad way to get going. Absolutely. I think with everything that's gone on at Cambridge, especially like I said this week, this is a huge, huge victory for them. And look, Chris, you, you, you know, you said that this victory was very much all about Cambridge, and I will 100% agree. But this is the third defeat in a week for Fleetwood. They conceded 10 goals and scored zero. What's going wrong for Lee Johnson's men? It's tricky Lee Johnson, isn't it? It's tricky Lee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? They were a little toothless in this game, I have to say. Mm. Um, but they, just, they were just slow out the blocks, and Cambridge were quick out the blocks. You're 3-0 down within 15 minutes. It's game mm. over already, isn't it? Um, so it must just be a case of, of a little bit of a lack of confidence going into this game. And yeah, when you get on a bad run, which they're on now, like you say, three defeats in, in the space yeah. of seven days, it can be difficult to get that little bit of confidence back. But Cambridge have shown that when you do get that win and a convincing win, then it hopefully it can kick you on. So yeah, I'm not massively worried about Fleetwood yet. Um, I think they'll... I actually think they'll survive in League One. I don't think they'll they'll fly up the table, but I think I think just the quality of their squad is is strong enough to to keep them in the league. Uh, so I think yeah, I think, I think Lee Johnson. Nah, no, nah, absolutely not. Um, yeah, I think they'll be okay. I do think they'll be okay, but they're on a little bit of a sticky run at the moment. Um, but yeah, when you're three 0 it's a bit of an anomaly this game because as much as it's a poor result for them, and they'll be disappointed with it. When you're three 0 down in in 15 minutes. Mm. Yeah, the next 75 minutes is, is kind of 
it's almost irrelevant, isn't it? Like it's, it's game over at that point. So there's not a lot you can do other than try and just play for a little bit of pride. You know, it's very rare that you see a team come back from 3-0 down at any point. So, yeah, I think it's a case of regrouping and they'll just be determined to start the game quicker the next game. So, so absolutely. We'll see what happens and on Sunday. Cambridge's impressive victory has secured them a tie away at Ewood Park to face Blackburn Rovers in the third round, potentially with a new manager in the dugout by that point as well. They could be on a good little cup run. So something for Cambridge fans to get really excited about. But our next game sees Grant McCann return to the Western Western Homes Stadium. But this time, actually, to face Peterborough. No, do not worry. They haven't just suddenly rehired him again. Well, not yet, anyway. <laughs> he is, of course, still at Doncaster and would, I am sure, have liked to get one over on Peterborough. Johnny, watched this one for us. And Johnny, how did it go for McCann and his South Yorkshire? Uh, not good <laughs> to start off with. But like, you know, the, if you if you see the goal, the Harrison Burrows cross. Mm. I, think, you know, I don't even think you could say it's a shot. No, <laughs> no it yeah, you you could try and claim it if you want to. It was like, I no, mate, I'm sure he will. <laughs> yeah, it was like no, but you didn't mean that. It was just luck. Um, you yeah. know, but that was three minutes in, and then you know, Peter mm. had a couple of chances. I think it was. Um, Ricky J. Jones and um, Poku one to one, where they should have really, you know, probably gone two or three. But then they got, they did get the second goal, by um, from Mason Clark. But Doncaster fought back. You know, they, you know, Peterborough didn't you know, two nil up. You think you killed the game off, but Doncaster, um, Mofal, absolute cracking header to get to two one, and then the last minute, Carl Hurst hits the post. Which you know, probably on, on the balance of the game, they they didn't deserve. But you know, they were unlucky. But Peterborough are in that kind of form where you get that bit of luck and you have that resilience, and you're getting the results again. You know, they've been a bit up and down at times, but they seem to be on a bit of a upward spiral again. You know, and they've mm. they've, they've got good depth there. They they you no, know, they do. You know, the defense seems to be a bit more stable than it was earlier on in the season um but they always score goals they've they've got such an attacking threat you know and that's that's the thing that you know they can they can rest players you know um ricky j jones played up front on his own yesterday on on saturday um <laughs> you know it so they you know they're they're you know they're on i think an upward spiral as a team yeah. that they, you know they've, they've got that kind of momentum a little bit they've, they've seemed to have got themselves reorganized again you know it's such a long season this you know they've got uh leads at home in the next round that that will be a a fun game for them you know like that's a that's a i i, I actually fancy them in that you know i think they could you know they've got the chart they've got the players to actually beat them um you know for doncaster it's you know back to the league they know that they're, they're uh, clear of the relegation zone they're not out of it but um you know that's their focus for them is staying up and making sure that that you know that they're, they're going to be you know sort of comfortably mid-table it would have been nice to have a cup runners like any club does but um you know they did they certainly didn't do um themselves any harm in the game you know they were unlucky they they, they put up a, you know a decent performance and uh you know it's just peterborough had a bit more luck and, and a bit more you know resilience I think it's really difficult for Doncaster, first of all, because they've clearly got quality in the side. Mo Farley's mm. 
oh, I absolutely love Mo Farley yeah. as a striker. Watching him in sort of a lot of the Doncaster games this season and all the highlights and such, I, I just think he's absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he showed his quality again yesterday, but it obviously just wasn't quite enough. I think that's the thing with Doncaster so far this season. They've got the quality there, but they're really inconsistent. They can't seem to get a, a simple run of games going. Yeah. Yeah. And they can just never seem to quite get over the line in a lot of matches as well. So they're going to be disappointed, of course, of being knocked out. But when you actually just take a step back, and like you said, Peterborough, good value for the win. It, Peterborough are very much on an upward trajectory. They, they're going to really take the game to Leeds United. And I, I'm like you, I really can't wait for that. And I think that's going to mm. be a really, really interesting game. Um, so Doncaster can't exactly be ashamed with losing no. only, by one, only by one goal to a team high-flying in League One. Yeah, definitely. So our next game sees other high-flyers, this time down in League Two, where Barrow face a Maidstone side who had won six in their last eight in all competitions. 46 places in the league separate these two sides, but that did not matter to Maidstone one. It started off as Barrow would have wanted. They created an opportunity in the opening minute, which saw Elliot Newby fire narrowly over the top. They did then get their first in the 20th minute as Ben Whitfield tapped home after some rather poor defending from Mason. They really should have cleared that ball better. They can be disappointed with that one, I think. However, they weren't behind for long. Only 15 minutes later, they levelled as Sam Corn punched pounced, sorry, on a loose ball in the box and smashed it past Paul Farman. They had another great chance going into the break too. Barrow came out the second half, clearly galvanised by their manager. However, they didn't manage to get that goal, but Maidstone did. In the 74th minute, Gurung smashed it home from just outside the box, rewarding them with a spot in the third round for the first time since their reformation in 1992. A note on Barrow too, by the way. They rewarded their fans who travelled down to Maidstone with a full match ticket refund. It's a club who are like highly, arguably overachieving in League Two, and yet they're apologising <laughs> with a refund for a second round FA Cup exit. It's, honestly, there's such a togetherness at that uh, at that sort of stadium and such at the minute. It's really great. To see. And that's, that's from Pete Wilde. It's as simple as that. That's just Pete Wilde and his sort of whole team there at Barrow. So huge credit to them. But of course, back to Maidstone, that third round tie for them will now be against either Stevenage or Port Vale. But Chris, I know that as a Lincoln fan, it is hard for you to be unbiased about Grimsby, as it is when I have to speak about them on the League 2 podcast. <laughs> but you watched Oxford v Grimsby for us. Talk us through Des Buckingham's first FA Cup fixture as a head coach in England and David Artell's first as Grimsby head coach. Yeah, it's very much a tale of two new newly appointed managers, isn't it? So Dave Artell's mm. second game in charge of Grimsby after a, a pretty impressive one-all draw against MK Dons last week. Uh, and of course, Tess Buckingham's third game in charge. Both of them so far are both managers winless so far. Of course, not that many games to pick from, but winless so far. I think the most notable one for Oxford, of course, was the 2-0 the defeat to, to Cheltenham. Really surprising result mm. that. Um, but they were certainly back on form with a 0-0 draw against Bolton most recently. And of course, they they eventually ran out 2-0 winners here. And I think on the balance of play, they were they were the better side. There's no denying that. But Grimsby were really competitive in this game. Um, I think you could see the difference in, in, in stature and see the difference in levels. But as probably similar to the York and the Wigan game, really, in regards to um, it was still really competitive. 
I think Grimsby will be a little bit disappointed with the two goals because apart from that, there wasn't a huge amount in terms of real clear-cut opportunities. Um, Oxford did create quite a few opportunities, kind of half chances. They ended up having 26 shots and 13 of them on target. So you know, that reads as if they were peppering the goal, but not not all of them were particularly high 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 quality chances or kind of high XG chances. Um, and it was also interesting that Grimsby had more possession in this game. I think it's quite highly expected for Oxford to generally dominate the ball, but I think there's been a real shift in in the short time Dave Artel's been in charge of Grimsby to try and have a little bit more of the football. Um, but within 11 minutes, it was actually off a Grimsby Town corner, which led to the opening goal for Oxford. So it was cleared uh, as far as Josh Murphy on the left-hand side, who ran almost the full length of the pitch, <laughs> cut inside, and uh, his shot was saved, but then was followed in by Marcus McGrain to make it 1-0. And it was kind of an uphill battle from there for, for Grimsby. They, it's kind of the three little picks a little bit, reminds me of this. They hooked and they puffed, um, but they couldn't quite blow the, blow the house down. And then in 75 minutes, rather soft goal, I think, um, kind of killed the tie. I think that Grimsby would be a little bit disappointed with the defending for this because they defended quite stoically for the majority of the game. So it's difficult to keep that, that kind of concentration, I think, for the full 90 minutes on 75. It was good build-up on the left-hand side. Um, Cross came in, but it was a free header within three or four yards from the goal for, for Billy Bodden, who's, who's hardly renowned for his his aerial ability. Uh, but once it was 2-0, it was kind of game over, really. So that'll be a morale-boosting win for Des Buckingham with his first win at Oxford, first win in English football as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Artel, of course, still searching for his first win, but I think there was plenty on show today for them, uh, for him to take take some positives from that game and build for their next their next fixture, which will be interestingly, um, Dave's first home fixture for Grimsby is against Crew this coming Saturday against his old team. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a little storyline for that one, then. So Indeed. That will certainly be an interesting one to keep an eye out for. I, I think at the end of the day, like you say, Grimsby definitely showed signs of David Artel's sort of philosophy being on the pitch already, mm. even though they didn't necessarily manage to get a result. There can be at least somewhat pleased with the overall performance, like I say, even if maybe they could have done slightly better for the goals. But I think it was probably more important for Des Buckingham, who just wanted to now get that first win on the board, which he obviously now has. And hopefully this can be a, a kind of springboard for Oxford to really get back on track, especially obviously in the league as well, because they're going to want to try and recreate a little bit of gap, if you like, down to the teams in the playoff. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Their next one, they're away. They're away at Peterborough next, so that's going to be a, an interesting one. That's good. That's going to be a really good one to kind of watch out for as well. God, there's some great fixtures next weekend. I can't yeah, wait. They, really they really are. So look, that victory has meant that Oxford are going to be playing away at Coventry City in January. Again, a potentially winnable game if there's Buckingham has them firing by then. So we are now at the halfway stage of our bumper FA Cup special, which means time for an ad break. See you on the other side. This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. 
And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use the service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash realefl. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now, back to the podcast. Away days are great, especially when your striker bags a last-minute winner, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome back. I hope you enjoyed whatever advert that was. Maybe something Christmassy now that we are in December. No, I think I'm allowed to mention the word Christmas now, considering the date of recording. But look, our next game is League One High Flyers Bolton taking on League Two opposition in Harrogate Town. In recent weeks, we've seen Bolton turn teams over on a bit of a regular basis. Was that the case yesterday, Johnny? Absolutely. I, I think it's probably the most easiest game of the the round, to be honest. You know, no offense to Harrogate, but Bolton are on fire. Um, mm. one defeat in 13 games, you know, massive promotion contenders now. Um and the momentum is building. And yesterday, you know, again, you know, Reading Connection, John Daddy, Bob Varson hasn't scored a hat-trick for five years. His last one for us scores a hat-trick yesterday. Just to rub <laughs> it in again. <laughs> but, like, you know, he hasn't scored all season. I think he was injured, you know, for a while, end, end of last season. You know, so, you know, he's not been playing regularly this season. Um, and Dan Lundulu, again, I think wow. I've pronounced, have I pronounced that Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, Dan Lundulu. Um, yeah, um, was brilliant as well. Set up one of his goals, scored two himself. Um, the only surprise was that their, their seven-game uh, uh, clean sheet streak was broken. But, you know, I think they'll take a 5-1. Um, they're, they're, they're just looking so good. You know, they're defensively strong. Mm-hmm. You know, we sort of talked about it earlier. You know, when, you know, we talked about the Notts County, you know, when you know, you're giving goals away. But you're scoring. Bolton are not giving goals away and scoring and scoring lots of them. You know, and they've just got that. Um, you know, the, the, like you're talking about the next games. Pompey away next Monday for Bolton is going to be that's going to be one of the big games. You know, Pompey lost the, their home record. Bolton are on a run. Pompey, yeah, they you know they won this weekend, but it's going to see where where the pendulum swings for both sides, isn't it? Because that's probably, you know, one of the, the biggest games of the season so far, I think. Um, a lot televised, know. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, I I, I, I wouldn't job. even pick that because, you know, no. Bolton, you know, the, they've, had, they've had their struggles, you know, as a club, but now they've really seem to have got themselves well-organised, you know, the, the, again, good manager, you know, good setup, and, you know, they're, they're on the way and, and, you know, I'd be I'd be very surprised if they don't go in go up automatically this season. I just think they've got that ability and that will to win and all the all the things that you need in this league. Obviously, you know, avoiding injuries is the big one for any club. But um, you know, Harrogate, you know, it's it's a day out in the cup, isn't it? <laughs> to be honest, like what you can't, you know, you're going against one of the really strongest teams in League One. Um, anyway, it, it's it's what it is. And, you know, they, they go back and focus on the league form, you know, um, not one for five games and need a win against Sutton. 
you know, sat in the bottom of the league. That's that's what they need to win away. You know, that's that's the big game for them. Not worried about Bolton. You know, that's draw a line under that. They weren't going to win the FA Cup. So, you know, get back to the league form. Make sure that, they, you know, they, they consolidate and get that. If they get the win next week and then hopefully that will give them the confidence. You know, they don't need to, to reflect on the game like today. You know, if John Body, John Daly scores a hat-trick against you, you move on. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I don't really think I've ever heard anybody say or call Bolton a day out or say that anybody wants to <laughs> well, 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 I'm not even, well, I'm not even Bolton, is it? Well, don't have a go at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, look, each their own, Johnny, whatever you like to do on your Saturdays. <laughs> look, I think, I think you kind of very much hit the nail on the head. I think after a mixed start to the season, Bolton really are finding their mojo now, aren't they? Yeah. And I think a cup run could really help spur them on in the league and their push for promotion this season. And as you say, yeah, okay, this was this was a good opportunity for Harrogate to try and show what they can do. But to be honest, their focus is on the league. Their focus is just trying to move a little bit clear of the mm. bottom two and make sure that they can finish a solid mid-table because yeah. they'll they'll be happy enough to be in at League Two next season if they can. But if Bolton do wish to have a proper cup run and get into the fourth round, they're going to have to get past Premier League opposition in Luton Town at Kenilworth mm. Road first as that is their third Round opponent, a day but out in from, Luton, a day out in well, Bolton. Uh, I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> gosh, you, that is a horrible choice and not in a good way. Um, <laughs> look, from League Two to uh, V League One to League Two versus National League. Now we've got Newport versus Barnet, and I was tasked with watching this one. This was an entertaining game from the start, and it is no surprise. There's been so many comments from across football over the past few years, especially, that the top end of the National League is equal, if not better, than the bottom end of League Two. And this game really did prove it. The first half didn't see too many chances until the 44th minute when Shane McCoughlin opened the scoring for the home side after tapping home James Clark's low cross. County keeper Nick Townsend then made a couple fantastic saves to preserve the lead that they had obtained. However, in the 89th minute, the chances that Barnett were making simply became too much when Danny Collinge managed to earn a replay. Newport manager Graham Cochran was uh, understandably frustrated with his team. He was saying that they, they just were really uncharacteristic in their defence and some of the football they were trying to play just wasn't at the standard that he wanted. But he, at the same time as saying this, he was also giving really good credit to Barnett, saying that they were just better on the ball and they were the better footballing side on Saturday. And it is, it's nice to kind of hear that. I think it was a really kind of fair reflection on the match. A one-all draw, it finished. The match will now be replayed. And you must say that with Barnett having the home advantage, I think there's a really strong chance that they could be the side to progress, even though Newport will certainly want to get to the thir third round for the first time in three years. And our next match is a game against two teams towards the opposite ends of League One. Stevenage, a team towards the upper echelons of the table, and Port Vale, a side who have really been struggling. Chris, you watched this one for us, didn't you? How did it go? I did, yeah. This is definitely a game that happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that bad <laughs> yeah it wasn't the uh, certainly wouldn't have been a highlight in the 
in the calendar, I don't think, in regard to the, the other 15 games were had a bit more going on than this. But uh, going into the game, it was quite in, there was quite a stark contrast in both sides, as you mentioned. Steve Nidge beaten in 10 in all competitions going into this. Port Vale, oddly, um, winless in their last 11 league games, but have also won or come out on the bright side of every single cup match they've contested so far this season. Very much a cup side at the moment. Um, chances are really at a premium in this game. It wasn't the most entertaining. There was only really one big chance in the first half that went Stevenage's way. Um, Port Vale were caught trying to play out, intercepted by one person you really don't want the ball to be going to in the attacking half in, in Jamie Reid. Uh, he actually laid it off to, um, I've forgotten who it was, oh, to Roberts, I think it was, who then <laughs> missed the target. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you kind of want it the other way around there. I think if he was a Stevenage supported, rather Roberts teeing up Reid. Um, but that was kind of literally any, the only notable interesting moment in the first half uh, the, the the first goal did come from a moment of quality though um to be honest a rare moment of technical quality that was on show in this game um but harvey wright played a fantastic ball through real deep from a deep position you often kind of talk about um like penetrative passes i think he's passed it through two different defensive lines here rather than just one it was a really great ball through and again, through to the one player in League One who is absolutely just on fire at the moment in Jamie Reid, who scored his 16th goal of the season in all competitions to this to make it 1-0 to Stevenage. But just seven minutes later, a well, I've, I've watched this quite a few times and I think this is a, a controversial penalty, to say the least. Mm. So long ball down the line, long throw in down the line and um, substitute um, Ikpiazu bundles the ball uh, into the 18-yard box and then is deemed to be brought down by Van Kooten, who I I think Van Kooten gets the ball here. I think he, he knocks it out for a, for a corner. And the Stevenage players that are surrounding the kind of the area are mm. furious at the referee's decision. They kind of can't believe it. And I think you can have to read quite a lot into that, into the, into the, the kind of reaction of the players. So, yeah, I felt like it was soft. And if I'm completely honest, it's probably it's it's probably not really what Port Vale deserved. They it wasn't it wasn't a much of a game. But once the first goal has gone in, I kind of mm. expected this just to finish one 0 to Stevenage, to be honest. But uh, it was a penalty. It was it was slotted away by Punso Ojo, and that was the last notable highlight really of the game. Finished one one. We'll be going to a replay. So yeah, that's there's not a lot more to say on this one really. <laughs> No, I uh, I'm actually going to very much agree with you on the penalty incident. By the way, I uh, I think coming up against a striker like Ikpiazu, it's it's it can be quite difficult to challenge for the ball without getting much of the man. And I actually thought the defender did that. I, I thought he was uh, I thought he was really quite quite good at um, you know, like I said, knocking the ball out of play for a corner. But obviously, the referee disagreed, and like I said, it has now gone to a replay. And, I think you would like to maybe expect Stevenage to be able to show the ability that they've shown all season and get through to the fourth round. However, as you've already mentioned, Port Bell very much a bit of a cup side. They are into the net, they are in the uh, next round of the EFL Cup as well, and obviously they're going to want to try and keep get a cup one going in the FA Cup as well. Especially considering the winner of the replay will be playing Maidstone away in the next round. So. You know, both sides are very much going to want to win the replay to then see, hopefully, be able to get themselves into the fourth round if they can uh, beat Maidstone. But time will very much tell on that one. Well, Johnny, 
For our next game, we're going to be coming over to you, even though I'm pretty sure you're not going to want to be talking about it. Eastleigh at home to Reading. I'm kind of going to ask two questions with this, first of all, Johnny. First of all, what on earth happened? Second of all, um, I, I would just very much like a bit of an update, if you like, because there was, of course, another protest during today's match. Uh, and I would just be intrigued as to what the current state of play was with the cell before we die movement. Next slide, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, um, look, yeah, there's two, there's two different things. Well, there's probably uh, more than two, but so on the pitch, focus on the game first because you know I know I don't want to go too much time, but um, you know, it's I think there's a stat there where the East East squad have played 1500 pro games. We've played 500 that start in lineups, something along those lines. I heard on the, you know, in the ITV commentary, because mm -hmm. I live over in Ireland. Um, but, you know, we easily, you know, it's a cut. It's a, it was, you know, it's a, for them, a home game against a team that's, you know, we had a couple of great results this week. Um, and then it was quite surprising, you know, according to some that the team have, changed eight changes you know sort of a lot younger players but that's you know according to to Bowen and Sellers that's the, the approach for this season you know they, they have the young players you know we've won stupid results in the trophy against Exeter and you know um so that's that's what they're doing we didn't play well you know at the start the first half um you know we go on to talk about the protests and stuff but you know when that happened they scored three minutes later but that's it's nothing to do with the protest that's football um, and then we just didn't get going, um, you know, and Eastie had the crowd behind. We had, a, you know, great support for Reading there, but um, Paul McCallum, Scott Quigley up front, uh, you know, they they worked the socks off. And as a team, they, you know, you know they, they, the goal, was, you know, both goals by McCallum were brilliant, you know, finishes for a striker, especially the first one where he kind of even, Ian Wright on the commentary, you know, was just kind of going, how did, you know, he used his kind of, he went in with his wrong foot almost to slide it in. You know, it's a good finish. Um, in the second half, you know, we we changed. We brought on, you know, Sam Smith, Lewis Wing, kind of, you know, we haven't got a lot of experienced players, but Harley Dean came on as well. And, you know, we did, we did play better. Um, didn't create huge amounts of chances, but then Femi Aziz scored an absolute cracker in, I think it was the 86th minute. And we're thinking, ah, we've got a replay. That's something. Um, then, you know, usual for Reading, you know, we kind of fall asleep at the back. You know, we are, you know, we talked about defences tonight, Notts County. Our defence has been, you know, different defence to play today, but whatever defence at times. So I, I, there's a stat here. We've let in, I'm just going through it. I think it is now five. Nine games we've let in goals after the 90th minute and not won one of them. 93rd v Exeter, eight, sorry, 83rd v Cambridge, 96th v Northampton, 90th v Orient, 94th Charlton, 92nd Fleetwood, 92nd Shrewsbury, 96th Shrewsbury, 94th Eastleigh. You know, they, those, game, those, those kind of stats kill you as a team. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, I ain't going to hang the players out to dry. That's not me because... There's so much stuff that's going off on the pit, off the pitch, um, but it just kind of sums up where we are at the minute. Um, you know, the, the, the players fight, the players care, the players try the best, the players doing what they're doing. Um, you know, it wasn't our day. Easily, you know, cup games, you, you, that happens. You know, they get that winner. Um, they, you know, did they deserve it? 
for me, no, because I'm biased. But you know, easy <laughs> fans will tell you that. You know, but that's foot like it is football, and you you just have to suck it up. But it's just another kick in the backside by Father Ted for us at the minute, where we're just you know we're we're struggling so much with things off the pitch. So that's the on the pitch. Fair play to Easty. Good luck to them. And you know they'll go on and and you know for the day out it was you know it's huge you know the sell before we die campaign apologized about the 16th minute protest mm-hmm. with the tennis balls on the pitch and the the fake money to the club because it's their day as you know non league you know non league side but mm-hmm. that's you know <laughs> for our club i don't know if people know or heard that last week our ceo dying pang for the use that he is chose to play the pay the payers wages to avoid you know, the points deduction rather you know and all the background staff only got i think up to 50 percent pay and that's been deferred bowen was on the pitch today before the game saying that him and reuben sellers refused to get paid any of their wage in sort of in support um one of our fans has set up a, a funding page and the supporters trust at reading which i'm part of you know have, have, have supported that and, and helped that it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. You know, people are doing their job, normal job as human beings, whether it's in the club shop, whether it's in, you know, stewards, whatever you want to call it. They, they're, they're decent people. I've met some of them that, you know, that they have a living to, to, to earn and they have families and they have mortgages and they have bills to pay. Um, it's absolutely vile that this is still going on. You know, there's, there's talk of new owners coming in. Um, but like even like you know Ian Wright was on there today. Uh, the other presenters, you know, Joby McEnough, who's you know a Reading legend. You know, it's absolutely they're, they're disgusted, and and they weren't they weren't giving out about the protest because, you know, we're we're good fans like all clubs. A lot of clubs have been through a lot of difficult times, and that really kind of was the last straw last week that you, you know you choose to pay players' wages over. The background stuff yeah you know points deductions are fine we've had 16 of them that's why the protest was six one season six last season four this season that's the that's what the 16th minute's all about um it's a horrible state of affairs you know as fans we care um hopefully there's new owners coming in the ones some that have been talked about not sure it's a lot of talk a lot of words let's see mm. when it actually happens um I just, you know, hope that something gets sorted because, you know, the players, you know, the players' pressure that they're under is immense and the coach, all the background staff, I have no, you know, no idea for them. But, you know, as a as a human being, for all the people that support the club and work at the club, doing their jobs every day, that's horrible. It's a horrible situation and it can't go on anymore. You know, everyone's had enough even outside of Reading fans watching what's going on, people are like, this is just disgusting. And the EFL have to take some responsibility. You know, this guy has ruined two clubs previously to, to us. Mm-hmm. Now he's on a hat-trick. Um, you know, it's it's a sad state of affairs. But anyway, look, good luck to Eastley. <laughs> well, and I mean well, that, I genuinely mean that. No, you know, no, no, no. Yeah, look, this is it. It's a, it's an absolutely terrible situation, everything that's going on at Reading. And, I think every every listener will, of course, want the situation to to be ending as soon as possible. But 
look, of course we have focused on the EFL side in Reading, but absolute huge credit to Eastleigh. You know, they've now been rewarded with an away mm. tie at Newport County or Barnet in the third round. Really good opportunity potentially yeah. for them to go further as well. So I think at the end of the day, yes, okay. From the Reading side of it, you definitely obviously don't want to have been knocked out of the cup. You wanted that real feel-good factor, mm. but Eastleigh have definitely got that. And I've got the opportunity to keep on having that throughout the season Absolutely. as well. Hey, good luck to them. Seriously, like they're, they're a good side. They're a very organised mm. side. They play well. You know, that's that's yeah, they have a good chance down there. I'm sure they will, and it'll be really uh, a really intriguing one to keep an eye out on in the third round. So our next game is Oldershot versus Stockport. Stockport, who were on that incredible run in League Two, winning 12 in a row before then losing last weekend. And I think they only got a draw midweek as well, but they were away at Oldershot today that, uh, in the FA Cup, obviously hoping to try and get back on track with a victory, although it didn't necessarily go like that. Oldershot actually had some really good chances immediately when Ben Hinchcliffe, however, managed to save it with his foot from a Jack Barham shot. However, the National League outfit did take the lead after only 10 minutes when a shot by Josh Stokes deflected into the back of the net. Now, Stockport did then get an equaliser only two minutes later. Now, I don't know if anybody has seen this goal, but it was absolutely incredible. Neil Byrne, defender, dribbling from the halfway line, and struck it from 25 yards out. Those are the sorts of goals that you just love seeing on FA Cup weekends. Absolutely incredible. The League Two High Flyers came out strongly in the second half and took the lead a minute after the restart as well, with Paddy Madden finishing off a really, really nice move uh, involving, I think it was Southern Hales and uh, Nick Powell, I believe, off the top of my head. Look, Stockport clearly have some incredible quality in their team. But so do Aldershot, because on the 67th minute, Stokes managed to score his second from an excellent counter-attack with the assist coming from Laurent Tolage, a player who I had no idea was Aldershot. I think he's former Brighton, if I remember correctly. Uh, So I I didn't know he was there, because to be honest, he's a little bit of a football manager. Legend for me. Stockport (laughs) almost grabbed the winner in injury time when a Fraser Horsfall header hit the post, but unfortunately it was not meant to be, which meant that the game ended 2-all, going to a replay, this time with Stockport being at home, inevitably a week on Tuesday, I think uh, a lot of the replays are likely to be played. The winner of the replay will be facing West Bromwich Albion in the third round. Now, Chris, this next game could well have been totally different if Lincoln had beaten Morecambe in the first round, we could have been the ones away at Wickham, but that wasn't to be. It was Wickham at home to Morecambe. What happened, Chris? This was a super interesting game, I have to say. Really interesting. Even in the build-up, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Derek Adams recently leaving his role as manager of Morecambe to take over at Ross County in the Scottish Premiership. Um, so, Jed Brannan, who has been placed in caretaker charge recently... Um, but was rather surprisingly, I think, for a lot of people, given the permanent role following and immediately following a 6-0 defeat by Wrexham. Um, they, of course, lost 2-1 as well against Newport recently. So he was on the back of two two defeats and one, of course, being a, an incredibly heavy defeat as well. That was Morecambe's kind of story going into this. And I remember in our preview to the 
um, on our Lincoln City podcast before the Morecambe game. We re- we looked at their their form and looked at the underlying numbers because they were in the playoffs at the time. Looked at their num- underlying numbers thing, and it looked as if maybe some of that good form was a little unsustainable. And obviously, they they were great on the day. They they deserved their win and absolutely deserved their win today, uh, yesterday as well. Now, Wickham on the other hand, um, were seven winless in the league going into this. I think there are certainly questions just starting to be asked of Matt Bloomfield, and this will not have done them any favours at all. Um, the most headline-grabbing stat, I suppose, from this was that Morecambe, the away side, um, League 2 versus League 1, so a league below as well, had 81% possession in this game. Actually, just an enormous contrast here. Now, of course, possession isn't everything. Um, you know, there's, I've, I've got a real kind of hate of kind of keeping the ball needlessly. But if you're at home and you've only got 19% of the ball, you know, you don't need to have, you don't even need to have 60, you don't even need to have 50. But to have as little as 19, you can't do a lot with that. That was super, super low and, and probably quite worrying for Wickham. Um, they did have a couple of half chances actually in the first half, Wickham, before Morecambe's opener, which came from a corner. Uh, so a deep delivery. The goalkeeper was crowded out. It looked like it's sort of area of the pitch that you'd expect the goalkeeper to come and claim, but it was actually quite good blocking by Morecambe, which meant that he, he didn't have the opportunity to really come and claim the ball at all. And Eli King rose highest to notch his first senior goal to make it 1-0. So that was a special moment for him and a good moment as well, of course, for Morecambe fans. Then in the 56th minute, clearance to the left flank from Mellon, top goal scorer for Morecambe, of course. He ran onto it, cut inside, lovely kind of cross, cross field ball, deep cross, which was met by an unmarked Tom Bloxham to, who calmly slotted it away to make it 2-0. Morecambe were really, really good in possession. Um, didn't create a huge number of really clear-cut opportunities, but they were really, really impressive on the ball in the first two-thirds of the pitch. Um, so that's really good news for them. You know, I think that kind of justifies the, the appointment a little bit for... For Brannon, because I imagine there were a few eyebrows being raised after after that, the, their last two games, mm. certainly. So that'll be a real confidence boost for them and, and hopefully a bit of a justification for, for some of the work that's clearly been going on behind the scenes there because there's a real contrast in their style already. Um, but for me, the real worry here is Wickham. They are on a poor run of forming the league and they just weren't in the races at all yesterday against the sides, a league below. And they were just really poor in, in almost every metric they were just really poor. Um, so I certainly think there may well be some some questions being asked a little louder now over Matt Bloomfield's future. I think you very much summed that up perfectly because it's it's a point that I've kind of got written down here on my notes as well. If I'm totally honest, I don't see Matt Bloomfield still being in a job come Christmas Day. As harsh as that may sound, I just feel like, like you say, there's a few too many questions being asked at the minute. And it doesn't seem to be there's any answers coming in the near future. But like I say, great win for Morecambe. It's hopefully going to really help galvanise everyone at the club after you know some of the changes that have been happening there over the last couple of weeks. And who knows, are they going to be able to use this to, to really help push them now into the League 2 playoffs and hopefully put their cup form back into the league? They have been rewarded with an away tie against Swansea in the next round, so... Really good draw for them. Well, the penultimate game is upon us, and it was actually one I was eyeing up going to today. But after I got stung at Alfreton yesterday, I decided to stay home, not get on a train when I saw all the snow outside this morning, and I didn't dare take the risk. 
question is, Johnny, should I have taken the risk? Well, if you're a Chesterfield fan, absolutely. <laughs> like, it, well, the game, well, the game went ahead, so it was better than what it. Could yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you just jinxed it. You know, if you'd gone <laughs> to the game today, it would have been cancelled. So, of course, look at the, of course. Like, the Chesterfield fans will thank you personally for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad um, to hear it. Yeah, look, I right. another no, another great result. Um, they deserved it again. You know, Orient have been going okay in League One. Um, it, it it was hard work. They 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 got the goal. It was a bit of a kind of a lucky goal again. Um, cross deflected off defender went in, but they saw out the game fairly easily. Which you know, for a team that's where are we now two two divisions down, um, it brings back memories for us old people <laughs> of when Chesterfield had a cut run back in nineteen ninety seven. Uh, a guy called Sean when? Dyche no, played. Yeah, I know. We, we didn't have internet during those days during the war. Uh, Sean Dyche was captain. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, he, he, might, he might be around somewhere now. Um, and Kevin Davis, who ended up uh, a top player for Bolton, I think, and a few other clubs. You know, they went on this massive run back in those days to the semis. VAR was in place in those days. They would have probably won in the semis, but against uh, Middlesbrough. So, you know, we, you know, for Chesterfield fans, it's brilliant. You know, the top of the national, the top of their league, um, beaten two, you know, two decent sides, way above them. That's going to give them the confidence for the rest of their season to go. Well, we can beat them. We can beat anyone. And like that's that is a big thing for a club. Um, you know, and they are one of those clubs that's you know been a big league club for years and hit hard times and trying to rebuild and trying to get themselves back up there again. Um, Orient, again, for them, it's uh, refocus on the league. Um, you know, they've, again, one of those sides that needs to find consistency, needs to find, get a run of form, because on the day, they're very good. And then on the other day, they're not so good. It's that, you know, it's like chalk and cheese. Um, like a lot of teams seem to be in our league and, and, and I'm sure in League Two as well. It's the, it's the consistent teams that find a way of winning and find a way of building momentum that do well. And um, it's not all about having you know, the, the, you know, the biggest squads or the best players. It's just having that uh, that will to win and that self-belief. And, and Chesterfield certainly have got that at the minute and this will only help them more. So, you know, it's let's see. No, absolutely. And, you know, huge credit to Chesterfield. They have obviously had the, the amazing first round victory as well over Portsmouth. To then be able to back that up now against Leighton Orient, they can only be really pleased with that. But I've, I think Leighton Orient, you know, from a, from an EFL point of view, they probably needed a victory today just to help kind of spur them on. They haven't had a win in all competitions, actually, funnily enough, since the first round of the FA Cup. They haven't yeah. had a win in League One since the 14th of October. Yeah. They're obviously yeah. going to want to be able to pick up some kind of form soon. And it would have been a good opportunity for them today. But Chesterfield so, simply outclassed them. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, look, it's, it's the way it is, but I don't think they can be too disappointed. And for our final match. It was Wrexham at home against Yeovil. Now, this is actually the first time that these two sides have met since Wrexham beat Yeovil at the racecourse ground 
to relegate them out of the National League earlier this calendar year. Wrexham suffered an early injury blow when Aaron Hayden was forced off because of a calf strain, with James Jones taking his place in the back three, which surprised me a little bit. Wrexham were also without on-loan Arsenal keeper Arthur Okonkwo after he was ruled out with a jaw injury. So Mark Howard took over between the sticks. However, it wasn't long before Wrexham showed their classes. In the 14th minute, Ollie Palmer headed at goalkeeper Day for Yeovil, who parried it, unfortunately, straight back into Ollie Palmer's uh, vicinity. And Ollie decided to tuck it away, which was a really impressive kind of goal. Quick instincts. He can, of course, be happy with that. Yeovil nearly equalised when Jordan Young's free kick clipped the post. However, Andy Cannon then doubled Rexon's lead with a really nice finish from the edge of the box. Sam Dolby then rounded off the win in time added on, skipping through the Yeovil defence before chipping day. Some really nice goals for Wrexham. And of course, this was a big game for them. And they, they wanted to be able to get a third round match for the obvious reason. Let's be honest, chances are it may be televised. And it's just good <laughs> for a, a club like Wrexham, no matter what you think about their ownership status. This was a really good victory for them. And again, another one that's really going to help hopefully galvanise them for a run in the league, which is something they're going to very much want. But Wrexham have earned a third round FA Cup trip to Shrewsbury Town. So a really good opportunity again for Wrexham to potentially be able to move into the fourth round for another bumper tie, depending on how that third round fixture at the start of January goes. But ultimately, this was a comfortable victory for them. The Oval would have obviously probably wanted a little bit more out of the game, couldn't really get a foothold into it. The stats were very much in Wrexham's favour as well. So ultimately, Wrexham were the better side. The scoreline showed it. The performance showed it as well. So that was our bumper FA Cup special. Slightly longer than a usual League One or League Two podcast, but actually only an hour and seven minutes, I think we are at the minute. I think we've done <laughs> quite well there, lads. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure as always. Good to be back. Lovely. Johnny, thank you again so much. Obviously, good luck to everything with Reading as well. And we really Appreciate hope it. that that situation gets sorted very soon. Thank you thank to you. all of you lot for listening in to our FA Cup special. Be sure to check us out next week when we will, of course, be back with our usual League 2 and League 1 fixtures and also make sure to check out all of the special podcasts that are currently coming out we have got player specials manager specials uh, other specials which i'm not allowed to talk about yet so charming <laughs> make sure you don't say anything they are all coming thick and fast so be sure to always check out the content check out our twitter make sure to give us a review on whatever podcast platform you choose and be sure to remember to keep on listening thank you so much The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. 
There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNuggets share box on the go. And you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then later on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.